This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It's a Monday in America and around the world. Love is in the air. Valentine's Day has hit. I think that's what the folks on the uh, Navy aircraft carriers out in the Persian Gulf are thinking, hanging little streamers of... Of hearts. Thinking about how much they love their job, how much they love their mission. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So let's do a shout out to our Valentines serving in the military everywhere. We got everybody raise your coffees, raise your coffees. On behalf of men and women down here in the basement, making podcasts and the men and women of Navy Federal Credit Union, big shout out to our troops. Now let's go. Love stacking some Benjamins together, shall we? All right, Sherry. The courtship is over. Mm-hmm. Oh, the adoration. Oh, the chevaux You are my peanut. I am your brittle. Mm-hmm. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and will you be my Valentine? This Valentine's Day, let's explore both love and loss. So that we end on a high note, let's start off with what to do when things go wrong. Here to help you financially protect yourself in case your dream date turns into a marital nightmare, we welcome attorneys Kelly Frawley and Emily Pollack. But if you're happily in love, don't worry, how about a love story on paying down debt together and earning more money? We welcome the couple behind Rich by Intention, RJ and Angie. In our TikTok Minute, we'll have math that makes you laugh, we'll throw out our Haven Lifeline, and I'll share a dose of my heartbreaking lovesick trivia. And now, two guys who show us all what true love looks like three times a week. Sorry, I just threw up in my mouth there. It's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. Oh, the bromance is alive here in the basement. Hey, everybody. Happy Monday. I am Joe Salcihai, Average Joe Bunny on Twitter. Let me be the first one to welcome you to a new week. 
maybe the second one after Doug really did that honor for us. But the third person on the mic here, Mr. OG. 10 years strong and still three times a week. Yes, still posting three times a week, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It's been a been a long haul, but a great time. And uh, man, do we have a great show for you today, because we're going to talk love today, OG. And sometimes you think it's the right person, the right thing, and it doesn't work out. So we want to help you protect yourself. And uh, for that, we've got a fantastic interview to talk about some of the recent celebrity divorces that have happened and dive into some lessons that are super expensive in Hollywood that you and I don't need to make. And then we're going to get all lovey. And for everybody looking for a happy story, though, don't worry. Don't worry. We're going to end this on a very high now. RJ and Angie OG here from Rich by Intention. And I love that phrase, Rich by Intention. You're going to see how intentional they were and are about putting together their financial life. And it's a great lesson here on Valentine's Day. But first, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words... Your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Let's get this party started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show. Our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Oh, gee, it's a rare two interview day. So let's go into it. Coming down to the stairs to the basement, my new friends, Emily Pollock and Kelly Froley. How are you? Hey, Joe. Great to be here. Hi, Joe. How are you? I'm great now that you're here. And I'm also great because as I was prepping for today's discussion that we were having, I'm actually happy that I'm not some of these celebrities <laughs> that we're about to talk about. Because while there's some great lessons, the two of you see people that are really at a struggling part of their life and their marriage and well, let's dive into this and do a few of these Hollywood uh, couples. Most people listening have read recently that actor Jason Momoa and uh, Lisa Bonet uh, have announced that they are breaking up. If you're representing the two of them, what are some of the things that you should think about? Emily, let's start with you. What are some of the things that are on the table with Jason and Lisa? This is a really interesting couple, I think, aside from the obvious aesthetic reasons. 
because it's a, a good example of one of the things that we're always a little nervous about when we do prenups, which is their respective positions when they first got together have really flipped, right? When they first became a couple, Lisa Bonet was the known entity and Jason Momoa was sort of working on his career. And now we hear much more about, you know, what he's working on and his projects are much more high profile than they are for her. So when we're doing a prenup, if they had done a prenup, and of course, lawyer disclaimer here, Joe, we don't represent either one of them. We don't have any specifics about their case other than what's in the media. But if they had done a prenup when they first got together, and also it's a bit of a hypothetical because they were together for many years before they actually got married. So the prenup that they would have done would only have been five years ago, and he was probably the bigger star at that point. But if they had done prenup back 11 years ago when they first got together, they probably would have been doing a lot of drafting for eventualities where Lisa was going to be the more moneyed spouse. And now if they're getting divorced and they're looking at that prenup, it really is not applicable because um, he's blown up and, yeah. uh, you know, I don't want to disparage her, but her sure. career is not as, as uh, visible as his. Yeah. I mean, they might've had different priorities then once they got married. Right. And and she might've put things on hold. Cause you're right to your point. We haven't heard anything from Lisa Bonet or not much uh, right. since they got married. So I think that's something that we really think about and counsel clients about when they come to us to do a prenup, that we're not just drafting for your current circumstances. And you have to consider when you're thinking about what kinds of things you want to cover and what you want to look at, where your life is going to be in five, 10, 15 years. And you don't always know, you know, I mean, I had, I had somebody who just called me recently and when they got married, her husband was an investment banker who made all the money. And during the marriage, she happened to found what turned into a very profitable exercise franchise and she became the multimillionaire. So I think a couple like that is really helpful for real people like us in terms of being more practical when you approach something that's a forward-looking document like a prenup. Does that mean, Kelly, that based on what Emily's saying, that a, a good prenup is almost like a bunch of, I'm thinking about computer programming where there's a bunch of if-then statements, right? If this, this happens, then that. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I've never even thought about doing it like that, where you contemplate different scenarios. I mean, I think to Emily's point, I mean, I, I usually say when a client comes in who doesn't have any family money, hasn't really built up their own wealth, you're asking us to crystal ball, you know, just sort of speculate what your future looks like. I've never done those if-then situations, but what we do say to clients is every year, take it out, dust it off, and look at it and make sure it still makes sense for you, makes sense for your family. You guys both know that people groan when they hear the word prenup. There are people that are listening to this. They're like, oh man, prenup. Who is- I mean, we do too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we groan too. So but, we're part of that. But is a prenup something everybody should consider or who's a prenup really right for? Well, I'll let Emily take this one because the advice that she gives is some of the best advice on that. Yeah, it's very simple. I think the answer to the question, is it for everyone is absolutely no, but Everyone should know what the law is and how the law would be implemented if they were to get divorced before they decide if they need one, right? You may look at what would happen in the absence of a prenup and decide that sounds totally fair. That's what I would want to do anyway. So let's just not get one and live our lives and deal with the fallout if and when we get divorced. But you may have specific concerns, right? There may be a family business that you want to protect. There may be a business that you're starting individually that you want to protect, um, you may have very strong feelings about how separate property should get treated if you buy a house together. You know, certain scenarios where if there's some specific reason that you're thinking about it, where it makes sense. But for a lot of people, they just want that big word, what's fair, and they're ready to fight that out when they get divorced. And, and the other thing to keep in mind is that the law is always changing. And so 
you know, to Emily's point, you should become informed, which means meet with a family law attorney, not just any lawyer. We always recommend that if you live in an area where you have an attorney who actually specializes in family law, meet with that person. But the law is always changing and you might move. So if you get married, you're living in New York and it's 2010, and then you move to California, it's going to be a very different scenario. So even if you decide up front, prenup's not for me, but then you move, maybe it's worth consulting with an attorney in the new state. It's also commonly what will happen is people will maybe get a summary from their attorney and then share that with their partner and talk it through. But it's certainly a much more collaborative process than divorce often is. Well, and I also don't want to lose the point, Kelly, that that you made that hiring the right type of attorney makes sense. We said that for estate planning too, right? You may be able to find a, a, quote, cheaper general attorney who handles a lot of different things, but that can be the most expensive mistake ever because you can't be great at everything. You can't know everything about everything. I want to ask about their kids. Jason and Lisa have kids under 18. Their daughter is 14. Their son is 13. This is always, always, I think, an issue for parents. What are some of the thoughts that you have there around custody and the kids? I mean, at that age, I think the kids are going to probably decide what happens. I mean, it seems like it's an amicable separation. I don't know if that's just the spin that's put on it. But if it's amicable, the custody should be really easy. You know, you just come up with probably like a 50-50 schedule where the parents share the parenting time equally. Or for celebrities like... um like this couple, it might also just depend on their work schedule, right? Like maybe she'll have the kids when he's off shooting and then it flips. It's funny to see that in the news at the same time as the Kim and Kanye split, because you really see different approaches to how a couple manages the media. Just last weekend, Kelly sent me a, a text with some other matrimonial attorneys that we're on a text chain with copying, you know, one of the most recent articles about Kanye acting like a crazy person. And she basically just said, you know, one of these people is listening to their lawyer and one is not, you know, (laughs) Um, because Kim sounds like a person who is prioritizing her children and who is not making any derogatory statements, who's really staying on message. We're working together. And Kanye sounds like a crazy person. Um, Yeah, I'm just going to say I'm going to disagree with that a little bit, because I think one of his issues is that she's putting the kids on social media. And that is something that you see oftentimes in celebrity divorces where one, particularly where one parent is the celebrity and the other one isn't. And they want to use the child for, you know, it's part of their image. You see it with the reality shows. I don't know if you watch The Housewives, but like you'll notice sometimes a housewife, well, their kids are never in the yeah. In the program. Right. While the other ones are, you know, other housewives, the kids are front and center. So, or sometimes when the kids are accidentally in the program, you show them grayed out, like their faces grayed out. Yeah. So I think that his complaint about social media is a totally legitimate one and an appropriate one. It's just maybe how he's conveying it. I want to ask what I was thinking more about the comments about her being sure. kidnapped and crazy birthday party yeah. back and forth. Things that obviously an attorney would have counseled him. Well, and also I think (laughs) debating it over social media versus having a debate elsewhere uh, makes sense to me. But I want to ask about their age differences. Does age difference when it comes to divorces, uh, is there something there too? Jason's 42, Lisa's 54. I mean, is this the time to say good for you, Lisa? Is that what we're going to (laughs) say? Divorcing Aquaman must be something better, but way better. Uh, (laughs) Well, let's get down to something else. Speaking of Kim Kardashian, 
Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson have been seen together and seem to be a couple now. And I was reading a meme that I'm going to steal right now. I'm getting a little FOMO that I may be the only person that hasn't hooked up with Pete Davidson. So I'm kind of, <laughs> kind of worried about that. What are the first things that they should be thinking about as that maybe this gets more serious? Emily? Well, I think from a media perspective, you know, in terms of the impact that it would have on her custodial proceedings with Kanye, who you choose as a partner and how you publicize that certainly can have a big impact on what happens in your custody case. And again, I don't know any of these people personally, but it does seem like the public persona that's presented for Pete Davidson has certain connotations. The public persona that's presented for Kim has certain connotations. And the same is true for Kanye, right? So I think they're all going to have to battle that in terms of convincing a court what's really going on with them, quote unquote. You're saying that even, and and not to put words in your mouth, Emily, but I think what you're Mm -hmm. saying is, is that even things that you think are little things can be misconstrued and mischaracterized by the other side? Absolutely. I mean, you know, in COVID, one of the things that was interesting to me was parties were making representations about what kind of precautions they were taking or weren't taking, how strictly they wanted to adhere to guidelines for their children. And then, you know, I had a case where a mom wanted to make a huge issue out of dad taking the kid on the subway. And meanwhile, she's posting pictures of herself in the Hamptons, maskless at parties. Um, and this is in the summer of 2020 when everybody was at peak, no vaccine, yeah. you know, terror level. Yeah, yeah. So that's on a small, non-famous scale where you can see how living your life with a public presence can impact what positions you're taking in your custody case. When you have somebody taping and posting like both Kim and Kanye do, that's going to have an even more explosive potential impact on whatever representations you're making to a court, because it's always easy to either verify or disprove what you say is or isn't happening in your life. These aren't the only issues that that you guys deal with. And here on Valentine's Day, probably a, a, a good time to remind people that if things don't go the way that you want to have good help in your corner. But Kelly, what are some of the issues that you see maybe on a daily basis that we didn't cover today that people should be thinking about? I think the hardest part of the process is finding the right lawyer. I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but I just wanted to emphasize how important it is because the lawyer, I think, can really make or break the case. You want somebody who's you know, not only informed, who's experienced, but who's going to calm you in the process. And you might think you want the shark who's going to attack your soon-to-be ex-spouse, but at the end of the day, that's not going to get you to the finish line quicker. Um, It's just going to take longer and it's going to be way more expensive. Uh, Emily, how about you? I totally support that. Um, More expensive and also more destructive, particularly if you have children, right? I mean, Kelly and I have a very aligned approach in our client management, which is that our goal is to kind of get in and out of a family as quickly as we can, doing the least amount of damage as possible. You know, it's still a family. When you have parents that get divorced, if they have children, and sometimes even if they don't, that's still a family that exists when the marriage ends. So you don't want the divorce to be unnecessarily destructive. If somebody needs uh, more information from either one of you, uh, where do they get it? We're part of a much bigger firm. And the firm is Kasowitz, Benson, Torres. And the website is Kasowitz.com. Awesome. Kelly, Emily, thanks for joining us. We'll link to Kasowitz.com in our show notes. And in the 201, our newsletter, we'll dive even more into some of the things you did. I know that you have a you have a Forbes column, right? That people can read? Yes. Yes. Do. We'll also link to that more. Thanks, ladies. And even though we talked about some bad times in people's life, happily, happy val- on that note, happy Valentine's Day to both of you. <laughs> happy Valentine's <Thank> Day. <you. laughs> 
Big thanks to Emily and Kelly for sharing their wisdom. Hey, it's time for our TikTok Minute. This is the part of the show where we share some TikTok wisdom. And by wisdom, sometimes I'm rolling my eyes when I say that, and sometimes I'm not. Sometimes somebody is making some great points, and other times, which happens once or twice, OG, on TikTok, it's not uh, sage advice, so to speak. But here on Valentine's Day, are we sharing the love or are we getting snarky? Oh, sharing the love. Well, let's see. This is... This is a TikTok of a girl answering a math question. Let's see how she solves in what's probably first grade, second grade. Let's see what she has to say about this uh, story problem. Jaden has one dollar bill, one quarter, and two pennies. How how much money how much money does he have? Jaden broke. <laughs> I think I think the laugh is the best part of that. Like who who cares about the math? Jaden's got nothing. I want to listen to that one more time just for the laugh. I can't do that one just once. Jaden has one dollar bill, one quarter, and two pennies. How how much money how much money does he have? Jaden broke. <laughs> That is the best. That is a great laugh. It's the best laugh of all time. Wow. And she's not wrong, by the way, is she? That's right. She is not wrong. Dollar twenty-seven. I did the math. That's today's TikTok. If you've got one for us, send those to me. Very lovable. Oh, I could listen to that laugh over and over all day. Joe at stackingbenjamins.com. And man, if you find somebody else that's got a laugh like that, I'm all about it. Well, coming up I was next, say, I can laugh for you like that if you want, Joe. If that just kind of helps your day out. <laughs> I can do that. I'll do that all day. I'm just as charming and lovable as that little kid. What's that little kid got that I haven't got? See, it's pretty much a carbon copy. Coming up next, we're going to explore the love side of this equation. RJ and Angie are a tour de force. They have a fantastic blog and podcast called Rich by Intention. They not only have paid off a ton of debt together, but they also secured raises at work together. They have a systematic way that they talk about money. They have so many lessons they can share, and I'm glad they're doing it today with us. Angie and RJ from Rich by Intention coming down to the basement. But to lead into it, I think it's time, Doug, for some trivia. Man, we're going to dive into history here, aren't we? Yeah, let's hit it, Joe. There's a little foreshadowing for you. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. You know, I am still stumped on what to get Joe's mom for Valentine's Day. I mean, I I got everybody else figured out. All my friends get a superwoman Valentine with a lollipop. I mean, obviously. I made Joe a macaroni necklace. OG got a coupon book of hugs because he needs them. I don't want Ma to feel left out, though, you know? I mean, what do I do? Maybe I'll write her a poem. Roses are red. Violets are blue. Hey, you know, that makes me think. I recently learned about one violet who should have been blue. While you may think your love life feels like it's sinking quickly, listen to this. Violet Constant Jessup survived the sinking of the actual Titanic and the sinking of its sister ship a year later and the collision of the third ship in the Olympic line. Talk about unlucky. But maybe you can score some luck with today's trivia question. What would a third-class ticket on the Titanic cost you 
in 1912 dollars? Was it between one and ten dollars, between fifteen and forty dollars, or between fifty and ninety dollars? I'll be back with the answer once I turn the floor fan on high, fling my arms out, and announce I'm king of the world! Hey, Staggers, is Military Appreciation Month. You know what that means. We are recognizing all of our stackers in the audience. My good friend, Nords, Doug Nordman, who uh, some of you may know, he is a writer in personal finance. He's a guy I'd like to do a shout out to. He is such a giving member of the FIRE community, the Financial Independence Retire Early community. Uh, Nords will do anything for you. It's just, just, I think some of that comes from his time on a submarine, like my nephew Colin, who's on a submarine right now, and all the work that uh, he did there. Just a super giving member of the community. And you know what? A Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond, not this month, but every month. Navy Federal offers members only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Here's one of their offers in honor of Military Appreciation Month. Join and get $50 when you open a credit card. Of course, you want to have your whole debt strategy planned out, don't you? Don't just go open a credit card willy-nilly, as mom says. Uh, here's a disclaimer. you got to join and open your membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st, so get on it, stackers. Annual percentage yield is a 0.25% for membership savings account, $5 minimum balance to open. Maintain your membership savings account to obtain the bonus. Visit NavyFederal.org for full terms and conditions. That's just one of the things. They offer 24-7 help for their U.S.-based service members. They have resources all over the place. Head to NavyFederal.org for full terms, conditions, and other offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA Equal Housing Lender. You're rolling into a new week, and if you want to get your week started on the right foot, you know what you do? Carve out some time to get your financial life in order, because especially if the holidays took a toll on your finances or you're regrouping because the resolutions you made at the beginning of the year aren't working, it's time to take control, which I know is why you're here listening to us, right? Well, the next step is Navy Federal Credit Union. They can help you take control of your finances after the holidays. And right now, they have multiple savings and investing options to help you get closer to your financial goals. They offer digital tools and educational resources to help guide your decisions. With Navy Federal, you can automate your saving and investing to put your money to work for you, even as you sleep. Plus, you can buy fractional shares. And if you're trying to pay less money to the man in interest while you're paying down your debt, well, you can get a low intro APR on their platinum credit card. It's their lowest rate card and a great tool to help you pay less while you're paying down debt. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Message and data rates may apply. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment options are available through Navy Federal Investment Services and are not insured by NCUA. Hey there, stackers. I'm Thirst Captain and Valentine Galentine, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. We're talking about the Spirit Airlines of the Sea, a third-class ticket on the Titanic. According to Lisbonet... Dot com figure it out. The first class tickets cost $2,560 in $1912, the equivalent of $75,000 today. But our question was about third class tickets. 
While third-class tickets were, of course, not as glamorous, they came with free dance lessons from Leonardo DiCaprio. So how much was a third-class ticket on the Titanic? In today's dollars, it would come to about $450 to $1,200 today, which means our answer in 1912 is between $15 and $40. And now, here to talk about how you and your Rose, or Jack, can save money together, let's say hello to Angie and RJ from Rich by Intention. RJ and Angie are here. How are you? We're great. Great. Thanks for having us on. I'm so glad that we met back at FinCon. And like I told you, we were walking down the street toward whatever our next thing was. I'm like, we got to have you on the show and share your journey because as a fan of your podcast and of the stuff that you guys do, I just, I absolutely love it. But I want to begin way, way back at the beginning. And I guess, RJ, we'll start with you. Let's start before you knew Angie. I don't know if there was, was there a before time? I don't <laughs> There was a uh, BA before Angie. Yes. <laughs> yes. Way back in history. Tell me about your money journey before Angie. Like, did your, did your family talk about money? My family did not at all. Did you guys? No. Um, growing up, we didn't really talk about money too often. You know, my mother did teach me like the value of just making sure you save some of your money, right? Making sure you save money. From my father, he just taught me that you should always, you know, have it income, always have a job. Um, so those are kind of like the lessons that was taught to me, but it wasn't normalized conversations about, you know, budgeting or, yeah. you know, investing or all the things that we're learning now, just because of the trends and it, the empowerment uh, when it comes financially. But it definitely was something that wasn't talked about a lot, but it was a journey. And but they did you know, do some of the I'm basics, glad. set some money aside. Mm-hmm. Like that's good. Mm-hmm. Angie, how about you? <laughs> BRJ before, <laughs> before RJ? Before RJ. Um, Yeah, no, I'd say, you know, my mom did a really good job of teaching me about how to manage finances. And like RJ, um, she taught me the power of setting money aside to save in a bank account. But, you know, I wasn't really taught about how to grow money, how to invest. But my mom, for the most part, taught me how to balance her checkbook. (laughs) You know, I don't even think those exist anymore, but I would sit with her and see how she was allocating um, her paychecks. That's really cool. (laughs) So you got to see like the bills and the paycheck coming in. Because, man, every time my parents had a financial discussion, my brother and sister and I were told to leave the room. Like we had to leave the room. You, You did not talk about that. So- My parents also taught me the hustle piece. Mm -hmm. Like you talked about like, you know, be a good worker, bring home income and that stuff. But the money piece we didn't get. But anyway, Angie, back to you. Yeah, no, I mean, sitting with my mom while she was balancing her checkbook was powerful, right? And I remember being really young and asking her like, mommy, are we poor? Like we don't have any money left after all the bills are paid. That was like one of my main experiences with money growing up and just saying, oh, okay, it's a finite resource, right? (laughs) You know, money just doesn't grow on trees. And I think that was very impactful for me growing up. And so I think from a young age, I've been diligent with my money and have always been a saver. But like RJ said, you know, now we're in a position where we are able to now invest our money and we're building wealth for our family. As you were talking and you asked your mom if you were poor, I know that a lot of parents listening are worried about scaring their kids. Were you afraid when you asked that question? You know, 
I could have probably been afraid or had some type of fear. And I'm sure that kind of did push me to be like, oh, hey, I need to save as much as I can. Like when I got my first job and whatnot. But I think one of the best things my mom could ever do for me was to sit down with me and show me how she managed her money. Show me how the bills get paid, because at the end of the day, yeah, it might have been scary, but it ultimately gave me the skills I needed that would help me in my adult life with managing finances. I think that's a huge lesson just for parents everywhere. Like if you can talk about it and I love her sitting down with a checkbook with you. That's so, I don't know. It's so cool. I don't know how parents would do it today since I don't yeah. know if checkbooks are used Excel today. <laughs> that's but, right. You know. or, or, or just open up the app, right? The banking app and exactly. maybe scroll through it with them. See how much we spend at Amazon. <laughs> you know, since Angie brought up that story, brought me back to a memory um, that I had at banks, they used to have the Christmas club, right? And you would essentially save every month. And I remember my mother taking me to the bank and she was like, yeah, you can save, you know, $5 per month. And then I would get, you know, $60 around Christmas and I'd be like, I'm rich, I'm rich. (laughs) But that's fabulous. Once again, another lesson. So how did the two of you meet? I get to tell a story. Okay, perfect. His yes. version, anyway. That's yes, my version. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and, so, and by the way, I get the feeling when we hear RJ's version, Angie might edit it after this, but we'll see. Yeah, there's there's two versions. Uh, the truth, which is my version, and then Angie's version. <laughs> Long story short, we met through a mutual friend we both were close with, and I saw Angie from across the room at an event, and like the rest is history. He introduced us, and what, seven years later, we got married? <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. It was easy. It's I saw her across the room. We got married. That's the whole story, yeah. Edgy, isn't it? I want to keep it short. Now you got to hear her story. You know, I may I may have played hard to get in the beginning. That's how I remember it. Mm-hmm. But uh, RJ did woo me, obviously. <laughs> and um, yeah, no, we started dating, and from there, yeah, like we started dating, and. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think what really got her to be like, hey, I want to date this guy is when I told her I had eighty thousand of student loan debt. That, that was not, really. Well, yeah, I was going to get to the, I was going to get to that next, but but that's the pickup line, RJ. That's it. it so. Works like a charm. Yep. Yes, yes. That that's a new definition of you want a piece of this. <laughs> and he's he's being serious, kind of, because he brought it up very early on while we were dating, probably on our first date. He's like, hey. <laughs> I have a lot of student student loan debt. Sally Mae is not my friend. And so, yeah, like he brought that up pretty early um, while we were dating. Yeah, I say all the time people wear their heart in their sleeves. I wore my student loans on my sleeve. So everyone knew. Yes, everyone. Wow. It was an icebreaker. <laughs> Why do that? I mean, I think I think if I'm trying to get the girl right, I mean, strategically, I've, I haven't been single in a long time, but I don't think I'm like, hey, my name's RJ and I've got 80 something thousand dollars in student loan debt and I'm hoping we get married someday. They say it all the time. The truth sets you free, but it allowed me to hold myself accountable to make sure that it was always front of mind. Right. Because once you graduate college, the first thing you always want to do, and I did as well, you want to buy a car, you want to go vacations, you want to have all your fun. And I think the more I talked about it, the more I started being conscious of the decisions that I made financially, because it wasn't something that's easy to go away. Um, It also was private loans with uh, high interest rates. So if I didn't talk about it, you know, then I'll keep it inside and act like it doesn't exist. But talking about it brought it to my attention and it will always be in my mind. And it did make me feel in some ways like a failure, to be honest, just having this level of debt. But Angie, you know, gave me grace, you know, made it a safe space for me to have this conversation. And I had a plan 
right? I didn't know the time frame of when I was going to pay it off, but I had a plan that, hey, I'm going to pay it on time. I'm going to, you know, figure out how to increase my income. I had like those thoughts. I just didn't necessarily put the actions in place. And that's why, you know, marrying Angie was, you know, the best investment ever made. <laughs> Did that scare you, Angie, at first when he told you that? I wouldn't say it scared me, but it, you know, it was serious to me, right? What was more serious to me was how it affected RJ. This was a huge burden on him. He would joke about it. Like most of the conversations we had about his student loan debt early on, you know, it was in a joking manner, but ultimately it really affected him um, mentally. And so, you know, just seeing that and how it took a toll on him made me think about, okay, well, how can I help him get himself in a better position financially. And at the time I was starting my own financial journey. I didn't have as much debt as RJ, but I was into budgeting. I was into just managing my money. Like I said, the skills my mom helped me develop, you know, we started talking about those things very early on in our relationship. And from there, we started reading personal finance books. One of the very first books we read when we first started dating was Millionaire Next Door. And I think that did you guys book, do that? Did, did you do that together? Like book club, yes. like Angie oh, and yeah, book? Yeah, did you really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we signed up for Audible, and yes. we just you know we both were commuting. We were commuting to, commuting work, to work, long commutes, so and we would, we would read it. Like we would each read as we were commuting, and then we would come together and talk about it. Like, oh snap, did you hear? <laughs> did you hear about hear this in this book? Like, what did you think about it? Our neighbors could be millionaires. And yeah, they our don't neighbors know it, you know, could like, be millionaires. And this was very foreign to us, right? Like thinking that, you know, millionaires just look like everyday people was a very foreign concept because in our minds growing up, you know, millionaires were the people that lived in McMansions. They drove luxury cars. They wore designer clothes. And we just did not think that millionaires could look like us, <laughs> you yeah, know, like yeah. just everyday people who are going to work, living normal lives, living below their means, living, be- living yeah. below their means. And we said like, oh, wait, that could be us. We could be those millionaires next door. And that just started our whole journey, like into just learning and just immersing ourselves into the personal finance space and just trying to figure out how do we get there? How do we become those millionaires? Your student loan debt, according to your website, was $123,000 at its high point. So, so I'm assuming RJ, if yours was in the 80 something thousand range, then Angie, yours was the, the remainder of it. Yes. Yes. And, and then any other debts? I mean, it sounds like, Oh yeah, we had before. So the 123 debt is what we had once we got married. Yeah. But that before was that, over. we did, we did work individually on our separate accounts, right? We both paid off our cars. Each car was probably, you know, 16 to $20,000 each. And then I had a lot of credit cards back in college. They used to give you free food. If you signed up for a credit card, I was a part of those people who deserve some settlement check. Um, and I signed up probably about eight credit cards while in college. And yeah, I pay those off. It, yeah. it just kills me. I like how predatory that whole system is. That's like the next time we have you on, we'll just go through the whole predatory. Crap. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yes. that was horrible. I thought it was pretty funny that uh, when American Express hired me to be like a financial planning spokesperson for them, I'm like, you guys don't do your homework. Cause at one point, <laughs> at one point you sent me to a collection agency and now I'm speaking on behalf of you. Like <laughs> you have no idea who the you hell you're full circle. Yes. How did, how did I get this job? So $123,000 in student loan debt and that debt, you also paid off that in a short amount of time. How long did it take you? 
About a year. Yeah. Wow. About a year. So there's two things. The question that I have to ask, because everybody, as you know, gives people stank when they don't ask this. Well, they had so much money that they made per year, so they could pay that off in a year. So I have to ask this question, which, by the way, the reason I say that, if you're listening to this and you're like, wow, people, the reason people say that is because of the fact that they think that, hey, if you've got a bigger shovel, you automatically shovel. But I'll tell you, it doesn't matter how much money you make. I know people that make four hundred, five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars $600,000 a year and still can't pay their bills on time. Like when I was a financial planner, that was. But how much at the time were the two of you making? When we started paying it together, yeah. we were both well under six figures. That's why it's important that we tell our story because we increased our income during yeah. our debt payoff to six figures by being intentional. And that's why it's the rich by intention. Yes. Um, the primary focus is really important is like the networking. That's one of the things that we learned from decreasing our expenses because we learned how to negotiate our rent our bills, um, how to get a lower fee. So from our rent payments that we had, we signed a longer lease, we paid on time. And when we came to our landlord, he was able to not raise our rent and also give us some concessions. Wait a minute. Um, let's, my- let's, I want to slow down on that for just a second, because this is super powerful stuff. So your rent payment, probably one of the biggest payments you have of all. So you went immediately for the jugular. Let's Let's control the biggest payment or one of the biggest payments in our life. You decide to go to your landlord what type of place was it? Did this person have a lot of different units or were you the only tenant? It was like a small multifamily place. Like it wasn't, it wasn't the best apartment. Like, let's be very yeah, clear. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it was a large, they had over yeah. 30. Okay. 30, yeah, yeah. Probably 30 units yep. maybe, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like a pretty apartment. Like it gave us what we needed shelter. Yep. Um, it served its purpose for the season that we were in. We had been living there for, I don't know, you lived there before yep. me, mm-hmm. but when we got married, we started living there together. Our rent payment was, I don't know, what was it about? Twelve, like maybe like twelve hundred dollars a month. We were just like, we've been good tenants. We pay on time. Wait and a minute. We just- oh, no, it wasn't twelve hundred. It was fourteen hundred. Fourteen hundred. Yep. But just to be clear, most people think this is not negotiable, right? You're negotiating yeah. a bill. Most people listening is don't think is negotiable. Did you email? Did you call them? Like, what was your approach? And Angie, was that specifically what you said? We pay on time. We've been good tenants. Yeah. So we didn't know what answer they were going to give us. We were at the point where we were, let's, we did our budget. We're like, we need to reduce some of our expenses. Let's see if our landlord will possibly reduce our rent payment or not raise it the next year. We just asked. The worst we could hear was just no. I think we, did we write a letter or call? I honestly can't even remember. We we called. We spoke we with called him. him. We spoke with him. Yeah, we called him. Um, yeah, because he he was more of a do it yourselfer, so it was no property manager. So yeah. we got eventually got in contact with him, and he didn't raise the rent, which was perfect for us. And because, we signed a longer lease. And we signed a longer lease. That just gave us the idea, like, hey, we should be able to negotiate everything. So it then went to our cell phone bills. So I was with AT&T for a long time and, you know, they were Verizon, T-Mobile, everyone's trying to get you to leave. So I, I brought the promotions that they had to AT&T and they dropped our bill by $50 right then and there just for the loyalty that we had. So we went through that through everything from our car insurance. We signed up for what was a defensive driving. I think it was $25. And then that ended up dropping our bill by even more money. And we just went through that cycle. And then we were like, Hey, we did everything we can to lower our expenses. 
Let's figure out how to increase it now. Yeah. So one of the things we want to encourage people to do is sometimes it's scary to put yourself out there, right? Because you're afraid like, oh, they're just going to say no. But yeah. If that's the worst we can hear, we'll be in the same position we're in anyway. <laughs> so why not just go for it? Like you're already, all we have to do is ask. You're already at no. I mean, you're at no right now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so like RJ was saying, you know, once we were able to negotiate our expenses, we have to start increasing our income. And that's what we did. We started to negotiate our salaries, whether that was, you know, after we got a a promotion offer or like RJ, he actually left his company at the time to increase his income. And so we both were able to increase our income by just seeking out opportunities. And one of the books that we read on Audible was uh, Never Eat Alone. We read, we listened to that together and it was another part of our cycle of educating ourselves so that we can be comfortable networking. That's one of my favorite books. By the way, have you guys seen the meme of the guy sitting alone reading Never Eat Alone? Oh, no. He's, he's sitting by himself, clearly at what looks like a lunchroom cafeteria, reading Never Eat Alone while he's eating alone. But it's, it's, it's a fabulous meme. The idea of negotiating raises is something, as you two know more than most, is something that people are afraid to do. And in fact, you know, studies show that women are also more likely than men not to want to go to the boss and ask for a raise. They don't want to rock the boat. And yet, studies also show your boss wants to give you a raise but you haven't given them enough ammunition. So Angie, you did not leave your job. It sounds like you stayed there. How did you approach your boss about more money? So I actually was able to get a job opportunity um, in another department at my company. Actually, the opportunity came to me. Like I didn't even have to seek it out because I was going on all of these like informational interviews if you will, like just kind of learning about different departments and reaching out to different leaders in my organization. And this is part of, I'm sorry, but this is part of the never eat alone thing, right? I mean, I mean, mean, starting to go to this stuff to show that you want to step up. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, a vice president at my company reached out to me and talked to me about an opportunity. He said that he would love for me to be on his team. He gave me the initial offer and I just asked for more. I know it can be scary. It was a little scary because you don't want them to take it back, right? You have to be confident in yourself, confident in your abilities. It helped, obviously, that they had reached out to me for the opportunity as well. But I tell anyone, you know, the worst that you can hear is no. Sometimes you just have to put yourself out there, believe in yourself and believe that you deserve more money because I knew what it was going to do for our goals. I knew it was going to expedite you know, our financial journey. And this is what I needed to do in order to put us in the best position possible. Everybody thinks that it has to be pretty and you got to have this huge, I don't know, complex strategy. And I love you saying, I just asked, I just like, what percentage more did you ask for? How much more did you ask for percentage wise different than what he was offering you? I mean, honestly, my VP, he's very generous. And I think he gave me the max at my company. And he's a generous person and just a good person, I think. But he gave me the max in which I think was maybe 17% or so higher. Wow. Um, Then what he initially offered? It was like, right? Yeah, no, that's exactly what it was. But I I would just want to add more color to it because I'm, you know, I'm outside looking. And during this time, Angie was meeting with, everyone reaching out to everyone just so they could know her story and where she wanted to go. A lot of times they say it's uh, not what you know, but who you know, know, but we take a little bit further. It's who knows you. 
everyone started to know her story and all the work that she was doing and all the programs she was creating. And then naturally over time, people were starting to reach out to her, like, Hey, I have this opportunity. Hey, I have opportunity. So it's really important that when you work hard, you make sure that your head's not down so you can see the opportunities in front of you and just take the initiative and reach out to people. And we're so afraid to do that. As you know, we're so afraid to do that. Like we think that we're so different than everybody else and we can't tell that story. And that is, that's huge. That is, that's amazing. Now, RJ, did you first, before you left your company, did you ask them for a raise and they said no, or was that just a better opportunity? Yeah. So I did similar things that Angie did was, was reaching out to every, you know, senior executive that I could in my organization, just to get to know them, learn their career journey, get some career advice. If there was an event of some sort or at, at the firm, I would like meet with them one-on-one and just say, Hey, is it possible I can get 15 minutes with you. And I got accustomed to it uh, just to doing that. And I started having conversations internal and then they started putting me in front of people to learn about other opportunities. Some firms have like really tight constraints in terms of like salary negotiations and what they can do because they know what you're already making. Yeah. So while I'm doing this internally, let me make sure I do it externally as well to know what is the fair job market in terms of like roles. So I started going on LinkedIn and just reaching out to people and roles that I wanted and ask them, Hey, could I learn more about this role? I'm interested in applying to it, right. To people who were already in my role and just did that constantly reaching out messages. And I started to learn more about these opportunities and just going through the same process. And then a recruiter or a hiring manager, like, Hey, I have this opportunity. And then we have conversations. And by then I got so comfortable networking that, you know, I felt comfortable like, Hey, if they ask what I'm looking for, this is what I'm looking for. This is the range. And this is when I want to start. And this is the type of uh, culture I want to be a part of. From there, you know, just was able to transition and increase my income. By what percentage? Yeah. So I, I increased it to six figures. So I was well under six figures and it, yeah. um, it probably increased it. Probably, I want to say like 50% at least yes. by moving. And in. I yeah. think that's the power of leaving your organization. Internally, as you get promotions, it only goes up so much. Like I said, like usually there's a max when you're internally changing positions. But when you leave your company, like the same thing happened for me years before when I just left my organization to seek out another opportunity, like it just increases <laughs> exponentially. Yeah. And, and specifically like in New York, you can't ask someone what their previous salary was um, in other states. Mm-hmm. It may be different. But so when they actually what you're looking for in other states, they may ask, hey, what's your current salary and what are your expectations? So you have a little bit more regular room to like talk about what you actually are worth the dollar amount that you think you should have. And obviously whatever the job is depends on the scope, but you can blend the two to like come with the offer. And it's always good to ask them for a range first before they ask you for anything and just make sure that you get paid what you're worth. Mm-hmm. I got 9,000 more questions for you, but I'm going to boil it down to one, which is that you obviously apply all this extra money to the debt, which once again is rich by intention, right? You not only intentionally find a way to make more money, but you apply it to the bottom line instead of increasing your lifestyle, investing then. So then obviously then you get on the investing train. Tell me about your investing strategy and what that next step involved. So we should say too, like while we were paying off our debt, we didn't stop investing. And I know that's like controversial in some circles, 
we were investing in our jobs, retirement accounts. Like we were investing up to at least the match. We did reduce how much we were investing, but we were at least getting up to the company match, which was important, right? Like that's money that we would have left on the table and we didn't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And even before like the match, you know, one of the things investing, making your money work for you, like we didn't necessarily do that right out of college. Right. We (laughs) we made the error of not opening, you know, our 401k or 403b. And that was a mistake. Right. But you live and you learn. And when we started dating and got engaged and we started deciding to pay off debt, we were like, hey, we're not going to stop. Right. We already missed a couple of years not uh, investing. So we at least got the match and increased it till we can max it at, at one point. So, so now like our whole strategy is to invest our dollar, right? Dollar cost average on a periodic basis, just making sure we invest in the stock market, uh, using index funds, uh, just automated it and, and set and forget it. Another book that we read was Automated Millionaire and really just automating everything so that we can focus on, you know, what's most important to us, like our marriage, our daughter, our daughter. and just our family and, yeah. and, we keep it simple. I think it's that's the really way of doing <laughs> it, not overthinking it. it. And <laughs> yeah, and we just make sure we communicate and be on the same page. Yeah. Like I think for us, you know, the most important thing that we do today financially is we have what we like to call money date nights. And we talk about our money, our goals constantly. Like we're on the same page so much that nothing, nothing is left off the table when it comes to our financial goals. Now we're at a point where we're starting to like bring our daughter into these conversations and trying to expose her to more and more. I mean, she's only two, but it's never too early to start instilling strong money values or healthy money values. And she's good right now. I think I think she may start investing next week or something because, you know, (laughs) she's putting money in her piggy bank. Uh, We bought her uh, (laughs) a cash cash register register and you know she's putting all the money in the cash register. So the other day, as an example, Mm -hmm. like she got some money for Christmas. Christmas, and we told her that, hey, you can spend, what did you say? Her dad said 15%, 15% of the money of the money on, on Play-Doh and Barbies. Yeah, no. no, but I was really happy that when we went to the store, it was all of these big toys and everything like that. And she picked the lowest cost option on me. And I was really surprised because I was looking at this doctor, life-size doctor toy and she went right by. I was like, oh, you want this? She's like, no, she wanted this. And, she wanted and the Barbies were on sale. The and then the Play-Doh was like a dollar each. Right. So I was like, OK, she gets it from her dad. I was like, she, <laughs> well, like yeah, daughter, that, like father. But that also shows something else, RJ, which I don't think we can slip by is how much we kind of you talk about the millionaire next door, about how much when you're two years old, you don't feel any of this pressure to like the, the stuff that's the cool, more expensive stuff. Like she's, she's not there yet as well. And I think that that's shows how much conditioning we get, right. That I got to wear the, you know, the very sexy Mr. Roger sweater, like I have right now, (laughs) you got to have the right clothes. You got to drive the right car. You got to have all the, like, she doesn't have any of that. I want my Barbie and my Play-Doh and I'm, and and I'm good. She's set. She's happy. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's awesome. Let's let's talk briefly about the blog and the podcast and what's going on with the Angie and RJ media empire. Because like when we first met, when I found out who you were, my first thing was, I just listened to your show. And I was so excited that we got to meet as we were walking around FinCon. But tell everybody about what you do on the show, because I find it incredibly inspirational. 
Yeah, no, like you said, we're hosts of the Rich by Intention podcast. It's been award nominated (laughs) um, podcast. And, you know, it's just been an amazing journey, right? Like where we've been able to have amazing guests just share their story about how they've eliminated debt, saved money and are building wealth um, for their families, as well as just have financial experts. Like we've had some of the top tier financial experts on our podcast, just sharing their knowledge and encouraging our listeners to to just take action and build the life of their dreams. Yes. And on our platform, our goal is to see people be intentional with their money. We focus on couples. We have an amazing free cheat sheet for couples to get on the same page at our website, richbyintention.com. Um, to really just, you know, start the process that we did, which was getting on the same page, educating ourselves uh, so that you can accomplish your dreams, your goals that you have. Right. Because it's true that teamwork really does make the dream work or I'll say make the goal work even better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like our goal and our mission is we want to see couples win with money. We knew that everything that RJ and I had to do to get us in the position we are today took work. It took us working as a united front, as a team, so that we could, you know, pay off our debt in one year. If we weren't aligned and, you know, united on our goals, we would not have paid off our debt in one year. Yeah, you because know? we thought it was going to take almost four years to pay it off. Yes. And if we didn't start the process of reducing our debt, increasing our income, being on the same page. Getting educated. <laughs> it would have it would have never happened. Our incomes would have never increased if we never started this journey. It's just phenomenal, the power of intention. We'll link to everything Rich by Intention on our show notes page, stackingbenjamins.com. We'll have deep dives on everything we talked about in our newsletter, the 201. Angie, RJ, thanks for making this the best Valentine's Day. You know, it's funny. (laughs) You were talking about keeping it simple and there's nothing sexy about that. I don't think there's anything sexier than, than two people working together toward their money goals and inspiring other people. So happy Valentine's Day to you two. Happy Valentine's Day. Thanks for having us on. Really appreciate it. And for everyone who's listening, you can follow us on Instagram at Rich by Intention for money tips and motivation. I'm Rocky Lalvani, the Profit Answer Man. And when I'm not helping small businesses stack Benjamins for themselves, I'm stacking Benjamins for myself. Big thanks to Angie and RJ for hanging out. OG, so many lessons there. But the idea that they have their own book club together. They read financial books together. That is sexy. That's fantastic. I I don't know that I would go as far as to say sexy on this topic, but um, you know, when you're both rowing the boat in the same direction, that certainly helps. Yeah. And how about helping each other score raises? And one of them by doing it by staying at the same job and the other one by moving jobs. I mean, it shows there's these multiple paths to get things. And together, they have a new stream of income, obviously. They're they're rich by intention empire as well, teaching other people to do the same. Good stuff. Fantastic. Share the good news. So many lessons. Preach the good news. Hey, let's throw out Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they put what you value first, Doug here on Valentine's day. Uh, my dog finally comes back to me and my pickup truck runs like a clock. Is that, uh, is that like reverse country song, Doug? Exactly. That's yeah. It. Yep. <laughs> yes. Well, that's a Valentine's day. That's, that would be a great Valentine's day. Yes. The good news is you got plenty of time to ride around in your truck with your dog because of the fact that, uh, 
you're not filling out life insurance apps, which normally, if you followed the old applications, take forever to fill out. Well, their application's online and simple at Haven Life. You get instant coverage decision. Prices are affordable, and all policies are issued by their parent company, Mass Mutual, more than 160 years old. Head to stackingbenjamins.com slash havenlife for a link, and you'll see for yourself how easy it is to buy quality term life insurance. Let's today throw out the lifeline to our new friend, Anonymous. Say hello, Anonymous. Hey guys, this is Anonymous. My employer was recently acquired and we're transitioning over to the new company's 401k. Our old plan was just like my brokerage account with a major brokerage company. We can invest in all the same funds and individual stocks as my taxable account. The new company's plan limits us to a few dozen mutual funds and target date funds. This brought lots of questions and complaints. The new employer told us that our old plan was very rare and that offering unlimited options like the old plan brought risk to the employer. And that's my question. Once they pay me, my contribution and their match goes in, it's my money, right? How is it a risk to them if I put it all on AMC and GameStop? I don't expect to learn anything, but thanks in advance for the large t-shirt. <laughs> we will send you a code and you can have any size t-shirt you want. Go for the extra small. That anonymous. guy nailed it. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> uh, what does it matter? OG, if he wants to put it all in AMC and GameStop, what's his employer got to do, got to do with it? <laughs> what's he got to do with it? Got to do with it. <laughs> well done. Did you think about that for a long time or I did, did that th- just roll? Th- that one just came out like the beautiful stutter. I think that was Joe's natural stutter and he just happened to be mimicking a Tina Turner song. <laughs> He got it right at the right time. Nice. <laughs> you know, there's been a lot of discussion about workplace retirement plans and and cost structures and fund options and all that sort of stuff. And over the last, I don't know, 15 or 20 years, there's been a big focus on employers taking the responsibility for uh, making sure that they're providing their employees with the good resources. So you've seen a lot of that liability shifting toward the employers to make sure that they either partner with a company who can absorb some of that risk for education and for the products and making sure that there's the right stuff in there for the people or they don't partner with them. And then they take that responsibility on themselves and there's different ERISA rules that they have to follow. So that's what the employer is talking about is, Hey, we've got to follow these ERISA rules that say that we have to provide a prudent plan for you and not allow you to be a act a fool and put all your money in AMC and GameStop. Even if that would have made you money, you know, that's still not prudent behavior. I think everybody would probably sign off on that as being true. So they're limiting their risk because they can't afford to have you, who you may be very sophisticated in your trading and you can do all that stuff and understand risk and be financially secure and so on and so forth. But then the person next to you uh, in the cubicle or whatever next to you maybe doesn't have those resources or doesn't have that skill set. So they have to think of it you know, from a big picture in terms of the overall liability to the plan. So, yep. Is what it is. The only option that you may have is maybe that big brokerage or maybe that that 401k plan will offer a self-directed account in the future. And and you can kind of sort of push for that. That's kind of the get out of jail free card, so to speak. They can say, hey, we offered you these plans, these fund options, these choices. You signed off on the fact that you wanted to put it on your individual brokerage side and then you did with it as you please. Um, That obviously requires it being a part of a larger brokerage company's plan. But um, you can kind of keep knocking on that door and see what comes up. But um, it is what it is. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, the ERISA rules are something I think a lot of employees know nothing about. And it's 
it is frustrating in some ways, but in other ways you can see how an educated person can get themselves in into a lot of trouble. You know, like Anonymous said, just take my 401k and treat it like I'm gambling. Yeah, they're crazy. I mean, they're hard to follow for the employers. And and again, it boils down to the liability aspect yeah. of it. I mean, sure. You can be safe and drive 95 miles an hour, you know, if you're a NASCAR driver down the highway, but they don't let you because it's not about you. It's about the fact that there's probably a teenager who can barely drive 65 safely at this time. And sadly, on the other side of this argument too, OG, how many times have we reported on in the last 10 years, have we reported on lawsuits, right? From lawyers that are just sitting on the sidelines waiting. Like it's not really the employee. It's really these law firms that are in the business of making sure that they- uh, Well, I mean, you don't want to put that all on lawyers, like make them the evil- monsters, although maybe some some of them are, but it's a byproduct of that for sure, right? It's the sure. the 20 years ending five years ago where there was a lot of craziness going on. And then finally, you know, the litigation happened and the companies are like, oh, yeah, we're not going to deal with that ever again. So here's your list of five target date funds and five large cap S&P 500 funds. And, you know, we're putting in our match and leave us alone. There is a good psychological byproduct of this. I was reading last week about some very uh, popular studies, and you may have seen these, OG, that show that more choice usually just creates an analysis paralysis and does not help people in a lot of cases get better returns. In fact, people will often save more, do the right thing quicker when they're presented with just a few choices versus a bajillion like you'll have in your brokerage account. Yeah. And I think the other thing that you could think about this too, depending on how your finances are structured, why not use this as the prudent bucket of money and then go, you know, crazy, you know, moonshot type stuff in your Roth IRA or something like that. You know, I mean, sometimes you just got to kind of play the cards that you're dealt. And frankly, it might be better to have that, have that money be separate anyway, to kind of create that separate distinction between, okay, this is my money that if I do the right thing for a long period of time, I'll be financially successful when I'm 60. And then here's my money where if I do <laughs> the crazy thing and I get right <laughs> quickly, that's my financial independence money when I'm 50, <laughs> you know, but either way, you've got the 60 covered, you know, just don't, don't buck that up, do that and then have fun or try to try to hit it out of the park with something else. And also a Valentine's Day suggestion as well, which is if you and somebody else have 401ks together, person you're planning with, your spouse. I like the fact that uh, if different 401ks have different strengths, don't try to be well diversified in both of them. Take advantage of the strengths in one and then pair it with the strengths in the other one. So if somebody looks at just yours or theirs, it might not look diversified, but you could make lemons out of make lemonade rather out of lemons by uh, I I thought you were about to say when when a boy 401k likes a girl 401k (laughs) they make a 529 plan (laughs) that's a joke that's a joke right there that's a really good one there it is yeah did that just happen how about that put that in the book wow two funny things in one episode I think it's time to lock it in thanks for that question anonymous if you've got a question for the show head to stackybenjamins.com slash voicemail. And uh, you too can uh, brag about what size t-shirt you're going to award yourself after you've been on the show. We have a lot of people to thank and Doug's about to do that in a second. But before we do that, just two quick housekeeping things. Number one is guess what happened, OG? I have been catching up on sending out all these books we have in the basement. So what happens is 
we get a bunch of books to prep for a lot of the interviews that we do, a lot of the fine guests that we have. And unfortunately, because we do this three times a week, we can't keep them all. And I made a promise last summer. I said, hey, if you leave us a review on iTunes, wherever you listen, and you send it to me, and please don't just give us a review to get a book. But if you leave us a review and you send it to us, then I will put your name in a hat once a week. We will pull out a name and we'll send you a book. Well, guess what? I've had enough books, OG, that I've been sending them to everybody. And while I'm not completely caught up, so if you've left us a review, I still got some to go, but just counted up the books and we can get that, uh, we can make that reminder. Send those to me, Joe at stackingbenjamins.com. And uh, I would love to put your, officially, I'll say, put your name in the hat for the book. Last but not least, though, is if you don't need a book, if you need to think bigger about your financial situation and your goals in 2022, OG and his team are taking on new clients. So if you need that one-on-one advisor team behind you to do better, stackingbenjamins.com slash OG is the link to their calendar to get that ball a-rolling. All right, time to wrap this up. Happy Valentine's Day, OG. Lots of chocolate for me. How about you? Trying to lay off it before I go on the road. (laughs) Just trying to bring that healthy living down because it's going to be so much harder when I'm gallivanting around next month. But uh, yeah, have two for me, pal. Have two for me. Don't worry about that. No problem. Doug, what should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, the way to wealth is by working together towards a singular financial happiness. Second, worried about the options in your 401k plan? Sadly, your employer has some stiff rules to abide by. And more choices doesn't necessarily mean a better plan. Talk to your HR people if you're worried about your own plan to either help bring about change or to understand how to use your benefits more wisely. But the big lesson? Never get on a seafaring vessel with Violet Constant Jessup. I mean, sure, she lived, but would you? Thanks to Angie and RJ. Their podcast, Rich by Intention, is available wherever you listen to podcasts together with your partner or, you know, like your cats. Thanks to Kelly A. Frawley and Emily S. Pollock from Kasowitz Benson Torres Law Firm. Have a complex divorce-related question? We'll share links to their firm in our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com or go directly to their website, kasowitz.com. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2022, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. The show is written by the brilliant Paulette Perhatch, with help from Joe, me, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. After you listen to our show, check out the 201 Deep Dives, written by our website manager and blog editor, Brooke Miller. You'll find the 411 on all things money at the 201. Just go to stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude is our social media coordinator and the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So, say hello when you see us posting online. Here's a weird fact. Both she and Tina Eichenberg are never in the same room at the same time. To join all The Basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. 
I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at The Stacking Benjamin Show. Not only should you not take advice from these dorks, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. Hey, have we talked about Encanto yet? I don't think we have. No, have we? let's not. Let's not. Why not? It was super. It was fantastic. Is it a Disney movie? It was a Disney movie. All right. Uh, can I hit record? Oh, I did hit record. Yeah. Do we have to clap or snap? Or Yes. And Tina was like, hey, when you guys clap, if you can clap while the uh, video's running, that's great for her too. She's like, that was amazing. I'm like, Steve told us to do it. And she's like, well, I had never thought of it until I saw you do it. Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Wow. There's a f***ing delay. Yeah. I feel stupid every time we do that. All right. Let's try again. One, two, three. Seriously? <laughs> Are we clapping on three or right after, after three? The next beat. The next it's beat. One, one, two, two three. three. Uh. Which most people would go three, two, one, clap, but that's all right. Okay, fine. We'll do it your way. We, we, we can't be different. You want to put that? Wait, wait, like wait. A, is it on one? Now we've changed everything. Wait a up. minute. Do you want to put that in the comments of the of the? Most people do it this other way. I don't know why you guys would do it that way. One star. Here we go. Ready? Three, two, one, clap. That sounded all together, actually. On your end. It did not. (laughs) I heard three different distinct claps. It's close enough. We're there. This is the after show. We cannot talk about Encanto. This has to be the after show. Yes. We'll talk about Encanto next time. Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout outs to all of our friends who have served in the military and let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend og who spent time in the military of course we know what a giver he is even when he pretends like he's being uh, mr surly navy federal offers member only exclusive rates discounts and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals visit navyfederal.org celebrate and you'll see all their military appreciation month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members 
are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.